You're listening to another episode on the Man of Class podcast. I'm your host, Eric Yusko, founder of Man of Class, this podcast, and is the exceptional life strategist where I help men overcome the obstacles that they face in everyday life so that they can live the life that's worth it to them. Thank you for joining in. I appreciate you tuning in and listening to this episode. This episode is going to be around who do you listen to? Cardone, Ramsey, Susie Ortman, Gary Vee, it doesn't matter. All these people, we know of them, we've heard of them, we kind of understand what they're doing, but who do you listen to and when? So stay tuned. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class, a place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, guys. I wanted to first say just sort of a, I'll say a catch up on what's been going on. It's been a few weeks now. So if you've been listening and all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a second, like what, what happened to the season? This summer is year one that we've been in the house and there's been a lot of, a lot of things going on. Uh, we've had a lot of homesteading. So one of the things that, that my wife Amber and I had decided this year was we wanted to, so we got in the new house and we really wanted to get into homesteading. Uh, and so it was putting in a big garden. So we've got like a 3000 square foot garden. Uh, we have a berry patch that has raspberries, uh, blueberries, blackberries. And then we have a strawberry patch that has two different types of strawberries, uh, jalapeno peppers and a greenhouse, as well as uh, we decided to get bees. Bees was going to be in year two, but uh, funny story. It was serendipitous. We ended up talking to um, sort of friends of friends. They were in a very similar boat doing a lot of same things. And he had extra hives and had said, hey, if you if you want to get into the game, I'll give you a great deal on them. And Amber and I looked at each other and said, let's do it. So uh, this summer has been just wild crazy with the amount of stuff that we've been able to get done. Uh, <laughs> it still isn't even... 365 days that we've been in the new house, but we've completely transformed over the winter, all the inside stuff and the and over the spring and summer, all the outdoor stuff. Now, if, if that interests you, make sure to follow me on on Instagram or Facebook at Eric Yusko. Uh, I've been covering a lot of stuff in my stories around homesteading, different things that we've learned, different things that, that we're doing. And we've actually started to get a lot of produce off. So <laughs> the past couple of weeks, We've had a ton of zucchini, a ton of cucumbers. Uh, the tomatoes are coming in droves. We have like 64 plants, 64 tomato plants, and they all have tomatoes on them. They're growing, but they're not turning red yet. So it's sort of, you know, tomatoes are funny. You get to kind of see the progression before you actually go and pick them. So, uh, but I wanted to give a little bit of background on sort of what's been going on and why it's been not as consistent uh, just because of a lot of other things that, that we've been doing. And so I haven't had, I've been kind of overwhelmed with all the other stuff going on. So we're back. Uh, this episode actually was inspired by a question that I threw out on HiHo. For those of you that don't know what HiHo is, HiHo is another social media app. And instead of, you know, thinking of like Instagram as pictures, Facebook is kind of long written text. Um, as far as like how they began, HiHo is all around video. 
So it's kind of like TikTok, except it's more engaging, meaning you start a conversation, you ask questions, and then people will respond to you via video. And it's very asynchronous. So you can have a conversation over a series of like days, weeks, months, whatever. And so on HiHo, I had asked, you know, the audience, I said, hey, guys, you know, what's good? I would like to I'm doing this series and I'm, I'm trying to wrap up this series of the myth of riches with a few additional episodes that will kind of help close stuff out here. But what are the things that you are seeking? What are the questions that you have? You know, when I say wealth creation, what are the things that comes up for you? And I loved it because one of the guys that came back, he said, this is so perfect. I hear wealth. You know, I go to the bookstore. I just type in wealth and it's just like everybody has their own opinion. You know, you have like uh, Susie Orman, you have Grant Cardone, you have Ramsey, you have uh, Tony Robbins has stuff out there. And there's just so many different opinions, different strategies, different ways about it that it can it can feel very overwhelming. And that's part of kind of what we wanted to do with this series is to break down some of that confusion because we know that there's a lot of information out there. If you're overwhelmed, whether it's wealth or any other subject in your life, you're not alone. There's so much content out there. Before, it was sort of like the lack of information era where we were always struggling to try to find, right, what are all the answers. Now you can go to YouTube, you can go onto social media, you can find all these people doing all the things that you want to go do. And now it just freezes people in fear because they don't know what to trust, who to trust, what approach to go after, where to even maybe start. And again, that's kind of why linking up with people, finding people you trust, you know, that's that's super important. Finding people that you trust, finding people who may have been in a similar situation as you that you can kind of learn from and in referrals. Referrals goes a long way. I've had many, many people who reach out to me and they're like, hey, I, I just need some help with X. It may be budgeting, it may be the stock market investing, it may be Forex trading, it may be who knows what it is. And they just say, who who is it that you would trust? And and I try to be as, as upfront, I give people different options on who I know that is maybe in the space that could really help you make that connection or build that skill set. Or if it's something that I can help out with, and I always tell them like, hey, this is something that I've done. So with that, we wanted to go in because his question was, you know, again, very overwhelmed. What do I go do? I, he sees sort of two two different models, like the Cardone method and the Ramsey method. And he says, I don't know which one to go do. You know, help help me because I'm, I'm just confused in it. So in this episode, I want to dive into kind of what the Cardone method is, what the Ramsey method is, and then just a little, I'll share some stories around where I was at, how I've evolved and kind of lessons that I've gone along the way. And so hopefully that's, that sounds interesting to you. Hopefully that's very um, insightful and maybe you can take something away from this that will be like the thing for you in order to evolve your wealth to the next level. So first we'll get into it. Grant Cardone. Some people know him, some people don't. So no worries if you don't, but he's a sales guy. Uh, he started in the car industry, the auto industry, where he was selling cars. He worked, he like dedicated his time into the sales process, really trying to redefine what sales means. And so he built a lot of courses around that. But then what he was doing is he would take that money that he was making from it and then invest it into real estate. And so that he became a real estate guy where he's been doing uh, different apartment complexes, different condos, 
kind of all around the United States where he'll find them and kind of very similarly to what Chad's doing, except on a, you know, more, I'll say more doors, if you will. Uh, and so what he does, he, he finds these places, he invests in them and he kind of grows. And so he's been, so he tells people very famously, if you Google him, you won't be surprised if, if you see this where he says, nobody should own a home. Uh, you should rent everything. Renting gives you the flexibility. Uh, owning an asset or owning a home is not an asset and is just a, a big waste of time. Now that turns some people on, that turns some people off, right? Again, you're going to have to find the people that you know, like, and trust and who you feel you can learn from in a way that's actually going to help you in your situation. And the other, I'll say caveat is, you know, and this is true for me, who I've listened to has changed over the years. When I first started out, I listened to different people. As I've gone on my wealth journey, I've started to listen. I've stopped listening to certain people and I start listening to more people, different people, try to get different insights, try to, to think very differently. So for Cardone, one of his, I'll say, these this wheel or this process or cycle, if you will, is to create income. Then it's to increase income. Then it's to save, invest, create multiple flows of income, increase those flows, save, invest, and then increase the number of flows. And it just is that cycle, you know, basically creating income, increasing that income there, using that to save money. Um, basically, you you have a lifestyle that you can grow or you know, stay where you're at and you basically just save the Delta and then you invest it. And so it's just that ever going cycle over and over again. And Cardone, again, Cardone versus Ramsey, one of the big things is around debt. Cardone uses debt. He realizes that if I borrow money at a low percentage and the amount of money that I can grow off of it, uh, it allows me to do bigger deals. It allows me to get out there and do more things faster and quicker. Now, if we shift to if we shift to Ramsey, Ramsey is get out of debt and stay out of debt. Do not have a credit card. Do not use credit. It's a horrible thing. Um, and his his you know number one is to get out of debt, stay out of debt. Number two is to have an emergency fund. Number three is invest fifteen percent of your income for retirement, and then number four is paying your home off early. Uh, again, right there's that caveat in there that you're probably not going to be able to go pay for a home in cash. You're going to have to have credit. Uh, some good and, th and bad things around that is you have to know yourself how comfortable are you with credit. It's it's. I heard a great analogy and they said credit is a lot like drinking alcohol. You have some people that know I'm going to go out, I'm going to have two drinks at this business event or, or catch up with friends or whatever, go out on a date with, you know, the spouse or girlfriend or whatever. I'm going to have two drinks and that's it. You know, two drink maximum. They have them, they drink them, they're good, they drink water, they're fine the next day. Some people, we know, we know we we all have that friend who as soon as they start drinking, it's like boom, 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 boom. Before they know it, they're a half a bottle of tequila in, uh, they're 20 beers in, right? They just, they go, there's no limits, right? They just keep going until they black out. And so in that way, credit and alcohol have a very similar piece there. Doesn't mean that alcohol is bad. Some people view it as bad and that's okay, right? You can have your own opinion, but if you have alcohol to enjoy it and you have 
boundaries around that. You're, you're solid enough in your boundaries and you go, I'm okay, right? I can drink. I can use that as a tool. I may be stressed on a first date. So if I have a little bit of alcohol, it helps to loosen me up. Uh, maybe you're at a networking event and you have a couple drinks and now it, it makes you easier for you to go, hi, my name is Eric Yusko. You know, this is what I do. This is how I help people. And you just are more of an extrovert type of person. But right, if you're the person that once you have alcohol and then there is no limits, there's no boundaries there, then that can be an issue. Same thing with credit. If you know that you have a credit card that allows you to spend up to $10,000 and you go and you max out that credit card at $10,000, but you can't pay that back in, in 30 days, then maybe credit, right? You may pivot yourself to more of a Ramsey method where you go, okay, I'm just going to not use credit, you know, and that, and, and what I would do is for people to do that, I would then say, look for areas where you can start to build discipline because credit can be very helpful. I know very many people that use credit that actually can travel around the world from the purchases that they make every single month on credit cards, but they pay them off in 30 days. So there's no outstanding balance. They never have to pay those 20% uh, interest rates. So they can use that to their advantage. I also have another buddy who uh, we've had on this podcast before that is all around fixing your credit because like it or not, nine times out of 10, I'll say the majority, when they go to need to get a car or they need to get a house or larger type purchases, they may not have enough cash on hand to go and actually pay for it outright with cash. And then again, depends on if you look at the Ramsey method or the Cardone method, you'd say, well, I wouldn't, if even if I had the cash, I would invest the cash that gets me a higher rate of return than maybe, you know, borrowing it from the bank, you know, for an interest rate. So again, right, there's a couple different levels, but one of the biggest things is, is starting to look at credit as kind of like alcohol, right? Do you treat it as something that is a runaway train or is it something that you have boundaries on? And if you don't have boundaries on, I think that's a great next best step for you to start to build boundaries around, right? Work with a coach, work with a consultant, work with a budget planner, work it with somebody, right? Even if it's just talking to a friend, figure out where your blind spots are around credit and why maybe you don't have the right boundaries in place that will allow you to be better financial, you know, I'll say in a better financial position later in life. And so, you know, when we think of Ramsey, uh, it's funny, I was actually talking to a buddy uh, recently and he had said he, he followed the Ramsey method. <clears throat> He's an engineer. And he was like, I love Ramsey because it's a process that I don't have to go think and create of a process. Now, that is an interesting insight. I never would have thought about it that way, right? For me, I'm always, how is it that I can build a lifestyle complementary to building wealth? How can I get into the house that's going to allow me and my family to have the memories that we desire and the hobbies and everything that we desire uh, without having to wait until I'm 50 or 60 to go have that house. Because then at that point, Lily and, you know, Lily will be grown and out of the house. So she won't have any of those memories there. So I do think I try to do things very customizable to me. However, a brilliant insight is you, that may be very overwhelming for you. You may need a step by step by step. And Ramsey can't, you know, that's an area where maybe Ramsey could help you. 
Because if you need that step-by-step, then that allows you to say, okay, I don't know what to go do. There's there's so many different things, whether it's debt, whether it's savings, whether it's investing, whether it's uh, you know, a 401k or if I want to save for kids college or there's so many different things out there that you may be overwhelmed and you may need like the next best step. And so that could be an area where Ramsey may be able to help you. I, I mean, Cardone also has step-by-step procedures too. So, you know, there's there's a lot of step-by-steps out there. And, and one piece of advice that I'll give is, what I started with isn't where I'm at now. When I first started, my first out of college job was um, a $50,000 salary. My first, I'll say, um, first thing that I focused on when I was at $50,000 was recognizing that there was this threshold. When you get to $70,000, you kind of have your bills tight met and you can start having savings and you can and more or less live, um, you start living for future planning instead of just living in the right now. But when you start at $50,000, depending on where you're at student loan wise, and if you have a car payment or not, you know, it can, it can saddle you. It can saddle you very quickly to the point where you can't even get into the right framework of wealth creation because you're just in, I got to pay my damn bills. I just have to get all this stuff paid and I'm worried from a cash flow standpoint. Forget about net worth. Forget about how much I have in a savings account. I can't even get to an emergency savings. And so when I was at $50,000, I very quickly started working on how can I increase my salary? And so I did a little bit with with Cardone, right? You know, I I say Cardone. At the time, I didn't know what it was. I just knew $50,000 is a good starting point, but that's not where I want to stay. So I need to figure out a way that I can get more money. And I, I started going to work. I, I would show up and I would start saying yes to opportunities, realizing that the more I said to yes to opportunities meant the more that I was A, learning, but B, experience, and C, the money would come. Nine, again, most the, the majority of the ruling that happens right when people look to get promoted is from a leadership, from a management standpoint, they look at you and go, can you or have you demonstrated the ability to go do the next level before you actually get paid for it? And so I realized that's that was the game. If I just sat around and said, well, I want more money, somebody, you know, give me a job that, that I can get more money. I would probably have still been sitting at the $50,000 because everybody wanted me to put the proof, right? They wanted to see the proof in the pudding before they would give me more money. So I went up and I signed up and I said, okay, you know, what are the things in the team that I can start saying yes to? What are different projects that maybe they need some help? What are things that I can help make my boss look good, right? Quicker turnaround time in design reviews, uh, working with people to make sure everything went smoothly, having re- reviews go very smoothly, getting the reviewers and the people in the meetings to give positive feedback back to my manager. These were all things that I worked through that was like, if I can get other people to tell my boss how great of a job I've done, it'll be so much easier to have that conversation that says, hey, I've really been busting tail for you. How do, how do, you know How can we get to a higher salary? How can I get promoted? Right. Let's have the conversation on going from an engineer to a lead engineer or an advanced lead engineer. Right. How do I have that conversation? But if it's just standing there going, I want to get these these in you know, this level of promotion, 
but I haven't demonstrated it, then I was never going to get the money. So I started looking at what other people that were ahead of me were doing. And I started doing and mimicking exactly what they were doing. And so, you know, in, in a way I said, I said Cardone, but I just looked at it and said, I know 70K is a threshold. I have to get to 70K as fast as possible. And that was putting in extra hours. That was working over the weekends. That was doing whatever it took from me in order to get to the point of getting that first promotion, finishing out my master's. And there was actually a time where I used to work at Macy's. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but uh, when I was working at, you know, I was co-oping with GE at the time. And I would work at Macy's in the evenings. So I would go to work, you know, I'd have a normal, normal, whatever it was, eight, 10 hour day. And then in the evenings and the weekends, I was working at Macy's in the dock. And it was funny because when I sat down for that interview and this lady, you know, who had interviewed me, she was asking me, she's like, why do you want this job? And I went, truthfully, I'm looking to burn down because I had a car payment at the time. I'm like, I'm looking to burn down my car payment. I'm looking to burn down my car payment. I'm here out of town. I don't know anybody. So I really, I really want to work on, on basically making more money. And I know that Macy's, when you're in a Macy employee, I think it was like 20 or 25% discount, which then meant I could buy better looking clothes for cheaper so that I looked more professional back at GE when I was co-oping. And so I looked at that and said, if I can get more money in, and essentially that money would then cover my wardrobe to make me look the part. Now, all of a sudden, that allowed me to, you know, go to the next level, right? It allowed me to dress more professionally. People took me more seriously. You know, I looked like I belonged there instead of just, you know, looking like I was, you know, scraggly or, or, or wearing old clothes. And so is that type of thing where I was I was trying to figure out ways of getting additional income coming in that I could pay off debt. So in some ways, I would say back when I was at fifty thousand dollars or less, it was all around the Ramsey method. How do I get out of debt and stay out of debt? Right. How do I pay off a car and be done? And then I could start working on building an emergency savings. And so I from there had built out a savings account. And but it was all while doing the defensive stuff that Ramsey talked about. But then also, this is before I ever knew Ramsey or Cardone, but then I would do some of the proactive stuff, some of the offensive moves that I needed, which was how do I create more income from the job? How do I become very, you know, learn more, achieve more and influence more in my current job so that I could actually get more money for the work that I was doing? I knew I was going to work 40, 50 hours a week. I knew that. So if I could get more stuff done in those 40 or 50 hours, then the company was going to say, wow, this guy is crushing it. We're going to give him more money. And that's exactly what happened. It was like every two years on the clock, I was getting promotions. Boom, boom, boom. And it because the more people saw me, the more people saw me achieve more and do more. Then all of a sudden they're like, wow, like if, if there was anything that my manager ever had, he was like, we got to give it to Yusko. Yusko is a closer. And that's the point where you want to get to. And so if you're in, you're in your career right now and you're saying, how can I get more money? You got to be a closer. And I think there was, I think it's the coach for Michael Jordan, but he was talking about cleaners and um, I'm sorry, closers and cleaners. And he was talking about the differences. And again, I 
I was doing all that before I ever stumbled upon that information. But essentially a closer for those that don't know, it's you know that you can get give the job to this person because you know he's going to close the deal. You know he's going to close the program. He's going to close maybe a manufacturing problem, a design problem, a help make the business more profitable problem. You know that he's going to get in there, say yes, and go do the thing that needs to get done in order to make you know whatever problem that the business is facing, get that closed, get it handled. And so when you start building your own reputation in that way, now all of a sudden, it comes with a demanding of the more price, right? Because that person that can go and do all of those things is more valuable to the company. So then you're going to naturally want to keep them at that company. So they're going to give you more money. They're going to give you more promotions. They're going to give you more visibility because they know that you're going to be that rock star that they need on their team. And so that's what really got me from like that $50,000 up to 70 and up into 80 and then into six figures which was just working and just constantly looking at what's the next level? How do I achieve more in less time? How do I get better at program management? How do I get better at affluence? And how do I influence people? And how do I have those difficult conversations with maybe customers or maybe my leadership, right? How do I have those types of conversations? And I was always looking for feedback and I was always willing to say yes to opportunities because I knew if I said yes to enough opportunities and I committed and crushed every single opportunity that came my way, I knew money was going to follow. I knew that was going to be the case for me. That was a big belief that I had at that time. And that was something that really, you know, frankly, when I, you know, again, this is a a vulnerability that many people don't know is I set out a goal back when I was in my teens that I wanted to hit six figures by the time I was 30. Because I knew I was going to go to college and I was going to get an engineer and I, and I knew that was going to be the case. But I always had a financial goal is that I want to get to six figures by the time I was 30. And so like that was my belief structure. That was what I told myself day in and day out. And it was always around how can I get closer to that? How can I get that other opportunity? How can I get into more people? How do I get more in front of different leaderships so that I become the person that's top of mind? And so again, right, this is all stuff that when you look in, into Cardone, Cardone will say from a sales standpoint, which is how do you become that person that's omnipresent? Now, he's talking at it from a sales standpoint. I was doing that from a an employee standpoint. How is it that I become that person in those closed door situations where they're you know racking and sacking all the employees? How could I have gotten to the point where they're like, no, 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 you, you got to keep USCO or you know what? So-and-so needs somebody, put USCO over there. I know he'll crush it. Right. I know he's got what it takes in order to take that responsibility. And so when I did that, like that's that's how that showed up. That's a very different segment. When I think of like early in my careers of the 50s, 60s, 70s, that was very different on how I showed up to kind of where I am today. Because what you'll find is there's going to be a certain point around time and money that you're going to run into. Much like in any type of situation, you know, when I first started at a company, I, I knew, right, $50,000, you could break that out and say, this is my dollar dollar per hour rate. And I knew that I was going to be working 40, 50 hours a day, or I'm sorry, 40 or 50 hours a week. And the more money that I could get helped increase my dollar per hour rate. But some a great bit of piece of advice was you can keep going up and, you know, up and up and up and say, EB, vice president, CEO of a company. But there's going to be a certain point where 
your dollar per hour is going to roll back on itself because not because you're not going to make more money, but because it's going to take a lot more time. And so I realized that if I did that, then I wasn't really giving myself wealth. I was just filling my day with more time at work. And so that caused me to have to rethink things and go, where is, where is that tip? Where's that tipping point? Where is it that I can go and get the most amount of money for the least amount of time? Now I say that in, you know, but within the, with, within the, I'll say hours that I spend, how is it that I can maximize that? Once you figure out what that is, then that tells you that's the most amount of money that you can get or that you're willing to make at, at this piece. Then it, and then what that does is then that says, okay, now I need to go look at income strategy number two and then start building that one up. How is it that I can build income strategy number two? And so, you know, fast forward, right? Then I decided to create man of class. And then, you know, this year we've, we, we're going to form a, a homestead LLC where we sink, where we sell a whole bunch of cans. Um, you know, Amber makes jars and gel, uh, jams and jellies and, We'll have honey to sell. And so we'll be able to actually turn money into the things that we do every day. And so it's that type of thing. So when you listen to like people like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he, he, what his thing that he brings to the table is do the things that you enjoy and realize that you can make money at doing those things. And what you'll find is it won't feel like work. So if you can start a side hustle that can help bring in additional income for you, and it's actually something that you would like to go do anyway, then you're getting paid basically to go do your hobby, which is no sweeter place to be. And so at that point, then, you know, the money that you get, you're going to choose a certain lifestyle where you say, this is the home that I want to get into. This is the car that I want to go drive. And then once you start having some of that stuff filled, then you start going, okay, now, you know, how can I start to invest more? How can I start finding more investments? And those investments may be real estate. They may be into your buddy's business. They may be in your own business. You know, Warren Buffett had always said the the number one best investment that you can make is in yourself. And that was 100% true. So when you look back, when I started at 50 and I was working my way up, I was always investing in myself. When I got extra money, I I was buying those books. That's why I have such a large book collection on different leadership, on different business, on different wealth strategies, because... When I started getting into it, I went, listen, all these people who are billionaires, they all say the same thing. Success leaves clues, but you have to be careful of the clues because certain clues you can only apply at your life at a certain time. Now, that may sound very complicated, but what I mean by that is when Warren Buffett says that he invests himself daily, right? He reads, I can't remember how many hours a day. It's like eight to 10 hours a day or something that he spends reading, investing in himself that's something where I go, okay, I may not be able to go do eight to 10 hours of reading a day, but that means that self in education is very important. That's what Warren Buffett does. Then I start looking at, you know, people who are crushing it, other billionaires. And I go, they're doing the same thing. That's a bit of advice that I can take today. Now, if you look at some of the things that they do, right, certain morning routines or certain traveling or like Bill Gates, when he takes, you know, a week, a quarter or a week, a month off or something, and he goes and just goes isolate isolates himself and everything's covered, you may not be able to go do that. So again, that's where I say, take it with a grain of salt. There's some things that you can go get 
that will allow you the opportunity of growing. But you have to be careful on, you know, Warren Buffett looks at a company and will just throw so much money that he basically owns the company. He forces his way into, you know, owning a large um, percentage that he has a voice at the table. Well, you may not be able to go do that, right? If, if you don't have the kind of money that Warren Buffett has, you can't go in and just buy all the Ford stock and go, okay, now I'm going to help push Ford to go make the necessary change changes, right? To, to, you know, to influence them as a company to be able to increase your profit. And so the things that you can do is investing yourself, getting that education, realizing, you know, again, talking to somebody who maybe if you, if you're just starting out early career, you, you try to find somebody who's maybe five years in 10 years in, and you just start picking their brain, take them out for coffee. I've done this so many times where I go and I say, I'd love to take you for coffee. I'd love to be able to ask you what books you're reading, what, what is, what have you done? How are you saving for wealth? You know, what is it, what is it all about? And sometimes you'll find that it was a dud, right? Sometimes people will just say, well, I'm doing the 8% save and get the 4% company match. And, and that's all that I do. And I spend my money on who knows what. And then other people will say, well, actually I started doing this and I've actually started a company and here's how I started to go do it. Then you go, maybe that's something that interests me. And then you can start getting ideas and start building your own framework. And so that's where, that's where I had started to go. I started out with the very fun, the very base fundamentals of Ramsey on debt as well as Cardone of increasing my income. And then now it's how do I get multiple streams of income so that then I can start turning those, get more from those. And the more streams that you have means the more, I'll say the less reliant you have to be on any given strategy, on any given income stream. And that's a very powerful place to be. So, you know, whether it's you're talking to Maurice or you're talking to Chad, they they preach about this a lot where it's having that you know, that freedom and that flexibility to have the time freedom, have the money freedom, have the location freedom. And all of that comes freedom means that you're not attached to having certain outcomes from a certain place. Right location freedom. In order to get location freedom, that means you have to be less reliant on the location where you're at, right? If you have, uh, you know, and if, let's say that that's important to you, then having a large house with a lot of maintenance and a lot of upkeep may not be the thing that you want to go do. Or maybe it is and you go, I'm going to get it and I'm going to build everything to be as autonomous as possible. And as I get more wealth and I can start hiring a lot of that stuff out, now I can actually become location freedom but I still have the place where I call home that is my dream and my oasis. So you can see in that quick example how all of a sudden you can extrapolate that out to everything that you do in life, right? How reliant are you on your current income streams? And it's okay if you are. It, 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 you're, it's all a process. You know, the people like Warren Buffett, I call it Buffett or Musk or anybody else. They were super reliant on the income that they had at a given point. Then they started making other decisions and that allowed them to become less reliant on that. And then the less reliant that they are on that, the more freedom that it allows them. And then you start moving from the, I have to have as much money as possible to now, how can I have as much time as possible? And then when you get to that point, then it's, well, how do I deliver on my purpose? 
as much as possible? How can I start building a legacy as much as possible? And so those are some of the things that is important in order to think through. And so I hope that this episode, you know, trying to tie it all together here helps to answer some of that. You may be a different, you know, you may listen to somebody. Let's say you listen to Ramsey. You may say, I'm all in on Ramsey for the next year or two because I want to be able to burn down all my debt and then have, you know, uh, $20,000 in a savings account. And that $20,000 could be a savings account today, could be an investing account tomorrow. So it doesn't always have to be. But choose one path and say, I'm going to do this for this amount of time, stay committed to it, and kind of work your way through. That gets into another situation where you go, okay, how do I start to stay more consistent? That's where hiring a coach, hiring a mentor, hiring you know somebody to help you stay accountable, or even finding a buddy who's in the very similar life stage as you, and you just hold each other accountable, and you go, hey... We're going to do the Ramsey method for the next two years or five years. Or, you know what? Let's brainstorm on how we can go increase how much money we make for the next five years. And so through that, you can work on your accountability until you make it a habit. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully that answers the overall question when it comes down to like Cardone versus Ramsey. Who do you listen to? How do you listen to him? And when? The more important thing is when you listen to him. So take care. Did you know that 8 out of 10 men are living a life that they wish was better? I believe living an exceptional life means unlearning everything that we've been taught and dropping the shoulds immediately. Which is why I created a brand new ebook titled Coaching Secrets, How to Break Out of Ordinary and Live an Exceptional Life. I want to show you the mindsets, strategy, and tactics you need to live the life you were meant to be so that you can step into the vision that you have for yourself, but maybe haven't taken action. And the best part about it, it's yours absolutely free. To get your copy, head on over to manofclass.com forward slash coaching secrets, and you can start living that life right now.